It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code BOOM to get $30 off your first month. That's BOOM. Talkspace.com slash BOOM. B-O-O-M. Thursday edition of Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. Special guest today, the highly esteemed Terry McCormick of Titan Insider and Locked On Titans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Terry McCormick, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing very well. Looking forward to this game on Sunday at noon. Vikings-Titans. The line is one and a half, so a lot of people expecting a close game on Sunday. I think a lot of people in Minneapolis are are not sleeping on Tennessee, and we've uh, definitely been diving into this Titans team throughout the week. And you know, one thing that really impressed me yesterday was the conference call with Marcus Mariota. You know, with Teddy Bridgewater, it took him about two years to start to feel comfortable in his role, to start feeling comfortable with the media. But I was very, very impressed by how collected Mariota is and how much of a leader he seems to be. Yeah, he's really a cool customer. For a a young quarterback, uh, only going into his second season, I think, you know, Marcus has had the additional – you know, he's always been a – well-grounded guy from what I understand you know he's never let really much of anything bother him but then you add in the fact that you know he played college football at the highest level at the University of Oregon with the highest trophy winner so he's used to the spotlight but he's not a guy who craves the spotlight so I think all of that kind of plays into the person that he is and the quarterback that he is trying to become here with the Titans. Vikings fans are nervous about his mobility they all think of that 87-yard run he had last year. They think of how mobile quarterbacks have burned them in the past. Is he a guy that likes to run, or does he typically stick in the pocket and only get mobile if he has to? Well, last year they tried to make him more of a, mo- a pocket passer you know, and, and get him to know the nuances of the game from the pocket, which is – where all quarterbacks eventually have to go. There aren't, you know, when guys get to be 33, 34 years old, you know, there aren't many guys still running around. You know, remember John Elway making the transition from being a guy who could run to a guy who, you know, operated from the pocket. You remember the same thing about Steve Young. All the good ones eventually have to learn to throw from the pocket. So that's what they want Marcus Mariota to do. That said, they know his legs are a weapon, so they're going to encourage him to run on occasion, and they're going to even incorporate some spread stuff into the offense and, and let him be the athlete that he is. And I think when you combine that with the rushing attack that they have uh, or that they think they have with DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry, you know this could be a very dangerous running game when you add in the quarterback's ability to scramble and ability to make plays on design runs. The Vikings have a very formidable front seven, but where they've struggled in the past two seasons, especially 24th and 18th in run defense is with perimeter speed. Oftentimes it seems like they are too focused on shooting those a gaps 
and they allow, whether it's a, a running back or a quarterback, to get that edge. Do you foresee Tennessee trying to gash it between the tackles or try to get to the sidelines? I think they'll probably try to do a little bit of both. I think, you know, DeMarco Murray is probably a little faster than Derrick Henry. I would think that, you know, given what you said about the Vikings having had issues uh, on the perimeter and things like that, if they can get DeMarco Murray matched up on an outside linebacker or even on a cornerback, I think, you know, that it would certainly uh, benefit them to do that. Uh, Derrick Henry, is, even though he has deceptive speed, he's really more of a, a between-the-tackles type of runner. He wants to hit a gap, find a crease, and go. I think when you look at the Vikings defense, obviously, uh, you know, one of the things I think that they have going for them is that, that in addition to that front seven, they have maybe the best safety in the league right now in Harrison Smith. So it'll be interesting to see how they use Harrison Smith. If they want to use him to take away Delaney Walker or if they want to use him to come down and help uh, fortify the run defense in the, in the box uh, to stop DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. I think you'll have fun watching Harrison Smith on, on Sunday. He, he's really a do-it-all kind of guy who can – he can move up to the line of scrimmage and threaten on that safety blitz. He can he can rove all over the field. He gets a lot of freedom in that defense, and uh, he's going to be all over the place. Watch Harrison Smith work out there. He's 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 something special. Well, the wild card in this, you know, everybody down here still thinks Sam Bradford is going to be the starter on Sunday. I don't know what the talk is in Minneapolis. I know some people think that they may go with Sean Hill, but you know. I don't, you know, as far as the Vikings offense, everybody down here is wondering. They know they're going to get a healthy dose of Adrian Peterson, but I think you know, they're wondering what are they going to get at the quarterback position? Is it going to be Sam Bradford with his limited knowledge of the system, or is it going to be Sean Hill and his knowledge of the system, but maybe with a little lesser physical ability? Yeah, you analyze the situation pretty accurately, and I think you know about as much as we do in the Minneapolis media about which direction Mike Zimmer is going to go. Now, my gut tells me that it's going to be Bradford because you don't go out and spend a first-round pick to keep a guy on the sidelines. That's what Mike Malarkey said in the conference call yesterday. That being said, if Bradford is able to play on Sunday, it's going to be a somewhat limited scheme. Uh, I think back to 2009, and I mentioned this in a previous podcast, when Brett Favre debuted for the Vikings after just two weeks in the system, they gave it to Adrian Peterson like 30 times. He ran for 180 yards against Cleveland, and they could try to do something similar on Sunday. And they also have the benefit of a very capable backup running back in Jarek McKinnon who could take some of that load off Peterson, get a lot of touches, a lot of little uh, little extended runs, passes close to the line of scrimmage that are easy for Bradford to execute. So if I had to put a percentage on it, maybe 60% Sam Bradford will start. But Mike Zimmer keeps things close to the vest. I don't think you're going to know. I don't think I'm going to know until Sunday morning who's going to start. That's interesting. You know, and tell me if, if you agree with this or not, Sam, but I think one of the things that you have to look at. If you start Sam Bradford, and yes, you want to rely on Adrian Peterson, but if you're the Titans, what you want to take advantage of with Sam Bradford is not the fact that he doesn't know a package of plays to operate the offense, but does he have the timing down with his receivers? Does he know how fast Stephon Diggs gets to this spot on an out route or on a post pattern? Are the other receivers, you know, Kyle Rudolph, does he know you know, where he likes to be on the scene. Has he had enough time to do that? And has the offensive line had enough time to get a feel for Sam Bradford 
and how quickly he needs to get rid of the football or how, how long he wants to hold it or how he needs to, which direction he needs to shuffle in or out in the pocket in order to step up and make a throw. Those little things that kind of go unnoticed by the casual observer can disrupt an offense, and Dick LeBeau certainly will want to take advantage of that. I was just going to mention Dick LeBeau, Terry, and the, the man who basically invented the blitz. This seems like a perfect opportunity for him to put pressure on the Vikings offensive line, which is already susceptible, to put pressure on Bradford. His head's going to be in a million different places trying to recollect this, this playbook. Make him get rid of the ball early and see if you can fluster him early on. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. But, you know, back to Peterson. The Titans can only do that with Nick LeBeau and the Blitzes if they can contain Adrian Peterson. If Peterson's getting four or five yards a pop, then it's third and one, and the Blitz is rendered ineffective because they don't know if it's going to be run or pass on third down. you got to get in second and long, third and long, in order to make that blitz package work in order to confuse Bradford with his limited knowledge of the playbook and his limited knowledge of the timing of the Vikings offense. So to me, you stop Peterson on first down, that's a win for the Titans because then everything's in play. You don't stop Peterson on first down, then you make things much easier for Bradford and for the Vikings offense and for North Turner to call what they want, run or pass, and neutralize that blitz the Titans want to use. Yeah, the Vikings are trying to eliminate third and longs this year. Mike Zimmer did not like how many negative runs they had last year, which set up some poor situations and just snowballed from there with the offensive line, putting pressure on Bridgewater, Bridgewater getting hit. And uh, it, it was a slippery slope for the Vikings last season. They'll try to turn it around this year. I want to talk about the uh, wide receivers for a second, Terry. Now, now I'm going to describe some qualities of a player in Sunday's game and tell me if they sound familiar. Fifth round pick. Wide receiver, competitive, excelled as a rookie, precise route runner. I'm describing Stefan Diggs for the Vikings, but I think I'm also describing Tajay Sharp. You're exactly describing Tajay Sharp. I think, you know, the one thing about Tajay Sharp and the one thing message that's been sent here to the wide receivers is you will be in the right spot and you will be there on time and you will catch the football when it's thrown to you or you won't be on the field and you may not be on this roster. Uh, that the Titans basically gave away two very talented players in Doyle Green Beckham and Justin Hunter because they valued more what a guy like Tajay Sharp could do because of his preciseness. And, you know, he and Diggs do seem to be cut from the same cloth. Neither of them are real burner, but they're going to make you pay by getting in the right spot. and They're going to move the chain. It may not be an 80-yard touchdown catch, but there may be, you know, four or five 12-yard catches that, that – keep the chains moving, and keep things going in the right direction. Does Andre Johnson have anything left in the tank? Yes, I think he does. I think, you know, he's not going to be the 80 to 100 catch, you know, 1,000-yard guy that he was uh, with the Houston Texans. But, yes, he can still give them some stuff as a third receiver, as a guy who can come in and spell Tajay Sharp and spell uh, Richard Matthews as the starters. You know, he's a guy that probably – uh, isn't going to be what he was years you know, years ago, but he can still give you something, and he, he's accepted the role. And I think that's something that's maybe underestimated that's harder for guys who have been the guy to go from being the guy to being a guy. That's hard. You know, guys like Randy Moss couldn't do that. Guys like uh, Terrell Owens had a hard time doing that. But Andre Johnson seems to be okay with it. And I think as long as you're okay with going from being the guy to being a guy, and I think you can, you know, you can last in this league, you know, maybe beyond 
just being a number one receiver. I think it's valuable, though, to have a 35-year-old guy like Andre Johnson in that room as a stabilizing force, and that's something the Vikings don't have. The Vikings have one of the youngest wide receiving cores in the NFL. Their veteran is Jarius Wright, who's 27 years old. I mean, they've got Stephon Diggs, second year, Laquan Treadwell, rookie, Cordero Patterson still on his rookie contract. There's so much youth in that room that you almost crave a guy like Johnson, who's been around the block, who is is a consummate pro. Right, and the Titans actually have two of those guys because – They've got Harry Douglas, who's going to be their slot receiver, at least until Kendall Wright gets back. And Kendall Wright uh, is pretty much out of the picture right now with a hamstring injury that's going to keep him out on Sunday. And right now they're going with youth in Tajay Sharp, and they're going with the Greybeards in uh, Andre Johnson and Harry Douglas. And then they've got Richard Matthews, who's not a, not a young guy. He's at like 27, and he's you know, signed here as a free agent. So you've got – kind of a mix-and-match wide receiver core with only Harry Douglas being a holdover from last year and three new guys for Marcus Mariota to throw to in Johnson, Sharp, and Matthews. Hey, if you can't get enough NFL, make sure to check out Locked On NFL with Matt Williamson, one of our feature podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. We've also got Locked On Fantasy with Vinny Iyer. Who to sit, who to start on Sunday. Maybe uh, give Adrian Peterson start. Maybe a surprise start for Sam Bradford. Who knows? See what Vinny recommends. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst on fantasy now last year the titans selected david cobb in the fifth round of the draft that's a former minnesota golden gopher so there's a local interest in cobb he was cut this season uh, obviously uh, they brought in henry they brought in murray and cobb was the odd man out uh, what doomed cobb in tennessee was it injuries or was it lack of production well it was a little bit of both and i think the injury last year he had a calf injury that kept him on IR for the first half of the season. And then he missed all that time. And when he came back, he was running behind a terrible offensive line, playing on a terrible football team. And I think all of that led David Cobb to not be very effective as a rookie. Now, when he came in this year, the Titans had addressed the offensive line and improved it, but they'd also addressed the running back situation. They had traded for DeMarco Murray, brought in Derrick Henry, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner as a second-round pick, those guys were going to be one and two on the depth chart. So David Cobb got caught in a situation where, as the third running back, you have to make special teams your calling card. So Antonio Andrews was already well-versed in special teams, so they wound up showing not only David Cobb the door, but also Bishop Sankey, who'd been a second-round pick in 2014, and Dexter McCluster, who'd been their change of pace back and their return man, uh, they, they wound up showing all three of those guys the door because they had upgraded the running game with uh, Murray and Henry. Now I'll reverse the conversation to a guy of interest to Tennessee fans who got cut in Minnesota, Michael Griffin. 
was part of that second round of cuts, a long-time Titans veteran. Just didn't work out in Minnesota. The Vikings had had some youth at the safety position. Griffin uh, seemed to have lost a step maybe from his prime. What were your impressions of Griffin in the time you covered him? Well, Griffin was a good guy. He was accountable. He was a guy that grew over his time here as a Titan. He went from being kind of an immature rookie uh, who was thrust into the starting lineup to being a guy who was very accountable and a guy who uh, always, you know, stood up and answered the questions, even uh, if he was the player at fault, uh, and even if he wasn't the player at fault uh, during his time here with the Titans. I think, you know, it was obvious to people the last couple of years that he was here that he wasn't the same player that he had been in his prime. And uh, I don't think it was any real surprise because he had a high cap number that he was let go when he was let go. And uh, I think most people here probably felt like the Titans held on to him maybe a year or two longer than they should have. But, you know, Griffin did Gilman's work during the time he was here. And, uh, you know, when he went to the Vikings, I think a lot of people wished him well. But I also think they knew that he probably uh, was a guy that was on the downside of his career. And it wasn't all that surprising that he didn't make the roster. You wonder, after having nine years in the league, playing safety, which is a position where you got to run and be able to cover and move well, you wonder you know, if he's at the end of the line or not. And there was some talk, too, that his back locked up on him in the fourth preseason game, and, and that could have actually been more serious than we really knew about. Zimmer didn't let on too much about what was ailing Michael Griffin, but he was cut in that second round of cuts. Last local connection, Matt Castle is the backup in Tennessee. He's a former Minnesota Viking, started a handful of games. What kind of impact has he had? Well, he's a guy who's, uh, you know, the Titans probably hope that they don't have to use Matt Castle because that's going to mean that something's happened to Marcus Mariota. But Matt Castle is here to kind of be a stopgap and kind of be the, the veteran guy in the room, to be a sounding board and be a, help be a mentor to not only Marcus Mariota but a young third-string quarterback and Alex Tanney who doesn't have a whole lot of experience. So I think what you're looking for out of Matt Castle is a guy who's just going to kind of Bring a calm demeanor, be that veteran guy in the room, and be that extra set of eyes on Sunday for Marcus Mariota as he runs the offense. So, you know, Castle's a guy that, you know, he's had, you know, a fair amount of success in his career, and now he's at the point where he's a backup, and he's a guy that, uh, you know, he's going to hang around because he knows how to be, you know, he knows how the game is played, and he knows, you know, a guy that he's in here to dispense advice and also to be ready if called upon. Under the radar guy that I'm very excited to watch on Sunday is Jack Conklin. The the Vikings picked too late in the draft to get part of that uh, that very talented offensive line class with Stanley and and Tunsil and Decker and Conklin. A lot of people thought the Vikings needed to go offensive line high in the draft. They did not, and I, I'm a little bit intrigued to see what the Vikings missed out on in a guy like Conklin, who the Titans took eighth. Yeah, Jack Conklin has helped solidify that right tackle spot, and the Titans now have Conklin at right tackle, Taylor Lewan at left tackle. They've been going about revamping this offensive line uh, all through the last couple of years. They went and signed Ben Jones to be their starting center. They've got uh, a first-round pick in Chance Warmack at right guard, really the only guy without a high pedigree either as a first-round pick or as a free agent signing his left guard, Quentin Spain, who's an undrafted free agent of all things. So Jack Conklin is a guy that, you know, they like his run blocking. I think they've been pleasantly surprised with him 
uh, as a pass protector. He still has some things to learn in pass protection, and that's going to be an area where they may have to help chip with a tight end or chip with a running back on occasion to give him some help if, if he's over on the strong side. But uh, I think they're very pleased with him as a run blocker, and you know they're not afraid to load up and run to the right side behind Warmack and, and Jack Conklin. Couple more, and then we'll wrap up with Terry McCormick, the host of Locked On Titans on the Locked On Podcast Network. Now, when I look at Tennessee, I see the 2013 Vikings. Uh, last year, Tennessee lost seven single or single possession games, very close to a number of additional wins. Looks a lot like the 2013 Vikings in the last year under Leslie Frazier. They just couldn't finish a game, but. They had some promising young talent. They got a new coach in there the following year, which Tennessee has in Mike Malarkey, and they started the turnaround. Is Tennessee now ready to start that turnaround in year one of Malarkey with year two of Mariota and some fresh young talent on that roster? I think they are. I think they're probably still a full offseason away from being a true bona fide contender. When you look at the AFC South, you know, everybody has warts. You know, the Titans haven't won in a while. The Jaguars haven't won in a while. The Texans don't know if they have their guy at quarterback and Brock Osweiler. The Indianapolis Colts know they have their quarterback. They don't know if they have much of anything else. So that said, yeah, I see some similarities with the Titans and maybe where the Vikings were about three years ago. I think they, they're built similarly to the Vikings. They have a young quarterback, which the Vikings had in Bridgewater before he got hurt. They've got a dynamic running back in Adrian Peterson. They've got a good front seven. They've got uh, a decent safety or two that they're high on. The corners maybe are a little suspect, and they're rebuilding the offensive line. And at wide receiver, they're, they're having guys that they feel like are reliable, but they're not necessarily game-breakers. I think you see two teams that want to run the football, that want to play good defense, that want to, uh, you know, they don't mind winning a game 14-12 to 12 if they have to. And I think you're talking about a Titans team that is rebuilding, and the, and the quickest way to rebuild, two ways you can rebuild. You can rebuild around a dynamic quarterback who can throw the ball all over the place. If you've got, got weapons like the Colts have with Andrew Luck, or you can rebuild – with a running game and defense, and that's kind of the way the Titans are doing it with the added fact that Marcus Mariota is a young and maturing quarterback who should get better. Would you care to take a stab at the final score on Sunday? I'm going to say 20-16 to 16 Vikings. That's pretty close to where I would estimate. I th- I th- I'm thinking even uglier than that. I'm thinking like 16-14 Vikings or 17-16. I, I think both teams could be in the teens. It's going to be a Vikings offense that's still trying to figure out its quarterback, and it's going to be you know obviously a very good Vikings defense trying to wreak havoc on Mariota. It could be, scoring could be at a premium, so maybe it comes down to a big special teams play. It could, and I think also with both teams wanting to run the football so much, both teams playing defense – it wouldn't surprise me if it's the first game done on Sunday in maybe about two hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a great point. Terry McCormick of Titan Insider and Locked on Titans. You host a show with Greg Arias and Brad Hopkins, and I, I think I might be making a cameo on that on Friday, but uh, we'll push everyone to that. And we wish your team well this season. All right. Thanks, and good luck to the Vikings. We appreciate it. We've got one more show this week with Sage Rosenfels. That'll be Friday morning where we make all of our official season predictions and we'll give our final take on Sunday's game. 
It's Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Sam Ekstrom. We'll talk to you tomorrow and enjoy the opening kickoff of the NFL season tonight. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked On Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked On Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.